Today's scripture reading comes from Isaiah 55, 1 through 13. If you have a Bible, we would love for you to follow along with us. If you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. Please feel free to grab one off the tables in the vestibule on your way out. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and a commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but the water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go, shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks, Allie. Well, good and good morning and welcome to the Olathe campus of Christ Community Church. My name is Nathan. If I haven't met you yet, Merry Christmas. Uh, it's good to be together, to celebrate together. And uh, if you're visiting friends or family and that brings you here this morning, we're really glad you're here. If you uh, come because it's part of your Chris, uh, Christmas celebration, we're, we're so glad you're here. And kids, we love having you in here as well. Um, we're, we're so glad that you're here. Whether you uh, had any say in the matter or not, we're really glad you're here. In fact, maybe afterwards, tell your, tell your parents, if you don't usually come uh, to this part of church, uh, tell them you want to come more often, okay? We'd love to have you in here, and you can pay attention to those bingo words. I'm going to say them, but I'm not going to say them quite as obvious as Miss Sarah, okay? Because she was making it a little too easy. Um, yeah, no, I'm going to, you just got to listen, okay? You can get it. All right, let me, let me, uh, let me pray for us, and then we'll, we'll dive into God's word this morning. Father, I'm so grateful for um, this family, this church uh, together, um, coming to you seeking you, and longing for the joy that you offer us in your word. God, we need it. I need it. And God, I pray that we would learn better this morning who you are, who you've made us to be, and how we can become more like you. We need your help, Lord Jesus, in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so kids, uh, what is something you are just like really hoping for for Christmas? You can shout it out. It's okay, right? What? Remote control, something? Awesome. <laughs> Sounds great. What? Legos. Legos, of course. Me too. Yeah. Huh? Puppy. Oh, my goodness. Hope mom and dad know. Oh, my. So many good ideas. 
All right, now, kids. All right. All right. Good job. Good job. Now, parents, or really for anybody here, okay, you heard their list. Now, I want, I want you to think through, if you could get the people you love anything in the world, like money is no object, any, any gift at all, what would you get them? Money. <laughs> what would you get? Maybe somebody, like a new iPhone, I'd take one of those, okay? If you're, if you're looking for, you know, some last minute shopping uh, for me, I'd take one. Uh, Lego Hogwarts, anybody? Like the $400 set? Yes? Okay. Wow. You guys, you guys love your Lego in here. Uh, I mean, that would definitely be high on the list. How about a new Tesla, anybody? Yeah? Okay. We're, I mean, we're reaching here, but I'll take two. Um, but like, okay, so none of that's big enough. Like, listen to the question again. If you could get the people you love most in the world, anything at all, money's no object, anything. Not just the stuff you can buy. That junk's too small. What would you get them? Better job? A boat? Oh, maybe. B bigger, bigger pearl, bigger. You gotta think bigger. Yeah, a Ferrari? Oh, come on, not the stuff you can buy. Not the stuff you can buy. You gotta think bigger than that. Yeah? These are good ideas, guys. But again, you're thinking too small. Okay, wait a second. Okay, kids, kids, go back, look at your bingo card. I got some words coming here, okay? Now think about this. We've got to think bigger than just stuff because that's where we go, right? If you could get anything in the world, like, I mean, think about you get a friend for somebody or, or a child, better health, a better, a better job. I mean, think, think big. Like, what are those things? Take away somebody's addiction or, or depression. And, and while, while you're at it, what would you get for yourself? Like, think about that. I mean, of these, these big things. I mean, what a Christmas that would be if we could wrap these things up and put them under the tree. Now we're talking. Still too small. Still too small because even, even behind, like those things are all for a, a bigger goal. I mean, let me tell you, if I could get myself anything, what I want more than anything in the world, what I, if I could find a way to get it for Kelly and for David and Eden above anything else, do you know what I'd get? Joy. Like unending, never failing joy. I mean, that's, that's the goal with everything that's under your tree, right? It's to make somebody happy. It's the, it's the, the, the desires, those deep longings for, for all of us that we have within us that we want to give to, to one another. I mean, let's cut right to the chase. I want to make you happier, right? Anybody hate that song? I kind of like it. If you ever turn on the radio, like it's on every third song. I think it's, it's been on Billboard for like months. It's number three. It's by Marshmallow, which is just a sign that we've completely run out of names. Um, but I love, I mean, the first line is, is so catchy in the chorus over and over. Let's, let's play just a few seconds of it. Okay, now you're going to be singing that the rest of the day. You're welcome. Um, but like, think about it. Like, I want you to be happier. Yes. And like, if I were to think about that, like there's literally nothing I, I wouldn't do for my family, for myself. Like I, if I knew that I could get that lasting, true happy, I would sell everything I own. 
I mean, I'd move to, to wherever I needed to go. I would change whatever in my life. Like there is nothing I would not do for lasting joy, real happiness. Now, now sometimes when we, when we use those words, we try to make a distinction. Happiness, joy, maybe you've, you've heard that. I don't think that's really helpful. The Bible doesn't really make that distinction. In fact, I think the difference isn't between happiness and joy. The difference is between how we use those words today and how Scripture uses those words. Because when we use those, happiness, joy, whatever, like it's typically about our circumstances. It's, it's quick. It's in the moment. It's often fleeting and temporary, right? But the Scriptures... Like when the Bible talks about them, it's rooted deeper and it never ends. Not not in our circumstances, but in our hope. Not in our ability to achieve it on our own or fix our own problems, but in God's promises. Biblical joy, biblical happiness is the expectant posture of God's people. And you and I both want it. We want it so badly. But what we don't believe, oftentimes, whether you're a Christian or not, I think one of the things that we don't believe is that God actually sings that song for us. Maybe not the whole song, but that line, I want you to be happier. I mean, do you believe that about God? That he looks at you and me and he longs for us to be happier. And friends, if you take, if you take just one thing with you this morning, I hope it's this, God wants to give you joy. Do you believe that? God wants to give you happiness. And, and we tend to scoff at this, either because we have such a, such a trite, simplistic view of joy. Or it's like, well, God's not going to bother with that stuff. Or we have such a, 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 just a poor understanding of who God is, where he's too distant to know what we would really want, or he's too angry with us all, all the time to give it to us anyway, right? But I, Isaiah gives us a very different picture. You see, we tend to forget, tend to forget God God is the most joyful being in the universe. Like, let this sink in for a second. No one is happier than God. I mean, yes, God, God weeps with us in our pain and our brokenness, and yet he, more than anybody else, knows how the story ends. Through his tears, there is delight in his face, and happy people cannot help but share their happiness. They just can't help it. Like truly, a truly joyful person cannot help but spread their joy. And we see that in Isaiah chapter 55. If you haven't turned there already, go ahead and and flip there. God wants to give you joy. Okay, so what is it and how do we get it? I'm all eight years, Isaiah. Like, I want to know. Well, we see three things in this poem in particular. We see the invitation to joy. That is for all of us. The only path to joy and the fulfillment of joy. Okay, so first, first the invitation. Because you see, joy is not just sort of thrust upon us uh, against our will, right? Nor, Nor is it something that we can just simply pursue on our own terms. That's one of the mistakes we often make is that we chase after it, right? But true joy, according to God and his word, is that it begins with an invitation that we have to respond to. I don't know if you caught that as it was being read, but like five times in those first three verses, God says, come. Like if you want it, come and get it. If you want joy, it can be found. Look at verse one. God says, come, everyone who thirsts, 
Come to the waters and he who has no money, come buy and eat, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. You see, when it comes to joy, there's no chasing it. Which is very different from sort of our ingrained uh, pursuit of happiness, right? I mean, it's so embedded within us individually, uh, within, our, within our culture. And the problem with that is that it's just, it doesn't work, right? If you pursue happiness, you'll never get happiness. If you chase after it, like you'll never catch up with it. Like if that is your end, end goal, you can't find it. In fact, this is what Holocaust survivor and philosopher uh, Viktor Frankl in his brilliant little book, Man's Search for Meaning. If you haven't read this, it's so good. It's really, really a powerful read about his own experience in the Holocaust and things that he learned. But like, the big theory of that book is that you can only find happiness by living for something bigger than happiness. Like happiness is not out there somewhere. If we just go and get it, we're there. Like happiness comes when we give ourselves our lives to something else. Like happiness is thrown in, basically, is his, is his whole theory. And, and Isaiah compares this, this joy to a feast. I love that. I love talking about that around Christmas. I just, I love the idea of feasting. Like I want to go to that party, right? Um, I love it because we're all hungry, right? I mean, sometimes literally, right? Certainly metaphorically, we're always craving, you and I, aren't we? We're thirsty, We want more. We want something good. And Isaiah says, here it is, wine and milk and bread. Not just that, the richest food, he says. Come buy it for free. Do you see that? Don't miss that there. Because when it comes to joy, there's no earning it. It's not for sale. You don't have to bring your pile of good works to impress God to somehow give you this gift. It doesn't work that way. That's not how we get into this party. The only entrance fee to this feast is our own hunger and thirst. Simply admitting that we have needs and he can satisfy. And yet Isaiah knows us, doesn't he? Because basically what he says is, well, you can, have, you can have this for free or you can overpay for garbage. And we're like, hmm, tell me more about this garbage, right? Because this is what we do. We make these trades all the time, don't we? And, and Isaiah knows that. It's like, again, it's like, well, you can have a, a free steak at Plaza 3. Mm. Or you can get a Big Mac for $1,000. Like, it's, I mean, it's, that's kind of what Isaiah is getting at. And it's, it's ridiculous, Except that he knows us really, really well, doesn't he? Because we sure try. We have all kinds of substitutes for true joy in our lives, don't we? Maybe the stuff under the tree will do it. Maybe this year, right? Whatever, whatever it is, like you're, you're looking forward to, except that eventually it's going gonna, it's gonna to wear out, you're going to get bored with it, you're going to discover the new thing, or the credit card statement's going to come, right? Either way, like, it, you know that. Or, or maybe, you think, and this is more my thing, it's like, well, yeah, but this, the, the family time, like, that is, that is so rich for me, and yet, you know, I was just, Kelly and I were talking this week, but they're not always going to come home for Christmas. 
Like that, I, my ultimate joy cannot be there because one day they're going to leave. Or maybe, maybe you think, yeah, but at least there's great food, right? Plenty of wine, lots of cookies. I bet I'm, I'm kind of bloated already. It's only the 23rd, right? Like we looked at these things, but they don't, they're not quite enough. And listen, I'm not, I'm not anti-Christmas or anti-celebrating with these things, okay? Believe me, I, I cannot wait, truly, I cannot wait for these next couple of days. It is the hap, hap, happiest season of all, all right? I get that. I may have this Grinch exterior, but inside there's a Christmas goo, right? But the reality is, like, and you know this, like if that's where our ultimate joy lies, or maybe it's not Christmas for you, but it's, it's money or success or power or having the right clothes or the right friends or sex or your image or, or like whatever, whatever it is. If that's where you're looking for joy, you are eating at the wrong table. And it will not satisfy. Honestly, if you lack joy, and I, I realize life, life is hard, and some of us carry the weight of depression, and I mean us, like I, I know that, I know, I'm not minimizing that at all, but when my own joy is lacking, I at least have to ask myself, could it be, could it be because I'm eating at the wrong table? Trying to stuff my life with things that won't actually fill me but always leave me longing for more. Meanwhile, God says we are invited to something greater. Okay, so we're invited into true joy. I can't, I can't chase it, earn it, or substitute for it. So how do I get it? That's where Isaiah goes next. The only path to joy the only, the only way to this feast. But I'm just going to call it out right now. I don't, I don't know if you're going to like it when I tell you. Because the answer that, that Isaiah gives us here, that God gives us in his word, it's, just, it's kind of churchy, frankly. It seems a little bit unrealistic. It's things that many of us have probably tried at some point. Like, what's the main course on this table of delight? It's God. If you want joy, Isaiah says, feast on God. All right, go ahead, roll your eyes, get it, get it out of your system. Like, I'm with you, right? I, I, I know how that sounds. I feel that with you. Are you done? All right. Verse six, look how he says it. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. You want to be happy. God wants you to be happy. The difference isn't the desire. The difference is the path. I mean, that's the heart of what, what Isaiah is getting at there. We, we think happiness is this way, right? My thoughts, my ways. And God is like, no, actually, actually it's over this way. It's with his thoughts and 
his ways. And so we have to decide, like, well, but I want to go this way, right? Like, we got to figure out in that moment, which, which way am I going to go? Am I going to trust my own desires, which change every second, right? That are constantly fickle and often competing and go that way. Or am I going to go his way? I mean, for example, last week, our, our family, we discovered a new park for us. Um, it's, it's newer, I think, to the area. Um, Ah, we loved it. It's, it's amazing. We love hiking as a family. We love being outside as much as possible. Uh, this was us, Jared, just a couple days ago. Uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful spot. And it's like, it's so new, they're still blazing the trails, which is part of my giddiness. That's just like, ooh, you know? It's just, what's it going to be like? I can't wait. And like, there's, there's two loops already um, completed. And then there's our favorite trail is this other one that it goes for about two miles around the edge of the property. And then it just dead ends in the middle of nowhere. Like literally as far away from your car uh, as possible. Which, which tells us, okay, it's probably not finished. Yep, it's not even, it's not even on the map yet, which again, it kind of excites me a little bit. Um, but there's, it's just an amazing, it's an amazing trail. And while I have like a pretty good idea of where I think it's going to end up, I have no idea the route the trail master is going to make, right? No idea. I mean, there's so many hills and ravines and cliffs and, and streams to walk. I don't know, I don't know how it's going to get there, Okay. And I think, I think what Isaiah is saying here is that true joy is just a little bit like that. Yes, it's hiking, true joy. Um, but no, not really. Um, but it's, it's like that because first, first God says we've got to leave our path behind and get on his path. That's the old-fashioned word repentance. You see, most of us want to be our own trailblazers, right? I want to go whichever way I want. And you can't tell me otherwise. Like for us, the highest joy is unending freedom. Nobody can tell me what to do and I can just do whatever I want whenever I want. Like that's our definition culturally of joy. We want to be our own trailblazer. Have you tried that? Like especially in the summer or the spring when everything's grown up. All, like it's really hard to just like, I'm going to go this way. Like it's, it's very difficult. It's easy to get lost. You can get, you can get hurt and you're not going to get there in any, any good amount of time at all. Like it just takes forever, right? It's hard. And so when, when we do life our own way, again, if I'm honest, I think joy is over here. But my ways often cause me more harm than good. They rarely satisfy and, and never for long. They often cause me to hurt the people I love the most. I mean, my, my default path as a human is selfish. And repentance means admitting that I've rejected God, that my path is wrong, and that I, I need to get on, on his instead. So that's repentance, but it's, it's more than that that Isaiah is pushing us to. It's also submission, because now I have to go wherever the trail master leads me, right? And I don't know, I don't know where that's going to be with this, this trail, but like if he says go right around the rocks, then that's the way I'm going to go, right? It's, just, it's easier, it's carved out, and, and the reality is like that's hard for me, because I can only see a few steps ahead, but the person designing it sees the whole. And we have a God who sees everything and who, ha- who doesn't just make the path, he's made us. Like, he, 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 he knows me. And I may not understand all of his ways, and I certainly don't understand all of his thoughts. But when I want to go left, 
And he's like, no, bro, go. I don't know if God talks like that, actually. Um, when I want to go left, and he's like, no, go right. I promise it's better. Like, I, I have to decide. And what, what Isaiah is getting at is that submission to someone who understands the whole, who knows me better than I know myself, whose ways I can't even begin to fully fathom. Like, submission to him, repentance, right? Turning from my own way and submission to it. Like, that is the path to joy. Which, again, like, culturally, that is, like, for most of us, that's like, that's ridiculous. That is the exact opposite of our definition of joy. So which way are you going to go? It's not just repentance and submission. That'd be too hard. I, I love that Isaiah includes this because it's not, it's not, we're not alone on this path. Like he gives us his presence. Look again how it started off this section. He said, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. That's now. Yes, his, his thoughts and ways are far above us. I don't understand why he does or says certain things. But he's also near, within reach, eager to be found. I mean, near enough to understand me, like to know what I truly need, and yet far enough to amaze me and to be able to actually make me whole. And for those who come, Isaiah says, there is compassion for every hurt, an abundant pardon, not just pardon, right? He says abundant pardon for all of our faults, which means with him there is joy. And so friend, if you lack joy, could it be that you're on the wrong path? Okay, so we have the invitation. Isaiah has shown us, whether we like it or not, right? He's shown us the path to get there. And now at the end, we get this picture of the fulfillment of this joy. Of what, of what happens when we respond to his invitation, when we, when we seek him and find him. And it's a, it's a picture of incredible joy. Look at, look at verse 10. He says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sin. I mean, there's a lot of poetic imagery there, but he's saying just as the rain, like if the rain comes in a barren area, like all the seeds that have lived dormant for so long, they're finally going to sprout up. And God is saying, when my rain comes down, when, when, I, when I speak joy into our lives, right? Like it will grow. And in our, in our souls, the desert that's often there, he's saying it will sprout up with life abundant. When I say, I'm going to give you joy, I mean it, he says. And at the end of this path, like when, when we don't like talking about the end, right? Because that means when God either takes us home or he comes and makes all things new and establishes his forever home now here with us. Look at the picture that we get in verse 12. It says, For you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Man, I know it's a metaphor, but man, I want to be there for that, don't you? Like all of creation erupts in celebration. 
Like the mountains and the hills form the most incredible choir. Like the, the trees all around give the largest standing ovation. I mean, that's what the Apostle Paul said in, in Romans 8, that all of creation lo- groans longing for redemption. And Isaiah saying that when it comes, all of creation will celebrate. Like everything around us will delight in this God who redeems his people. Which means, and I realize this is kind of the hard part, which means our joy can't ultimately be about now. What do you mean? I mean, what else do we have, right? I mean, it's not, it's not that today doesn't matter. I mean, of course, of course it does, right? And yet what, what Isaiah is pushing us towards is we've got, to look, we've got to look further than what we can see. We have to go beyond our own story, even in the here and now, that we know how God's story ends for his people. And the road is hard, but the end is good. I mean, look, look at verse Verse 13. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall, be, shall not be cut off. I mean, what's promised to us here is nothing short of a return to Eden. It's paradise. I mean, even, even the word pictures that he gives, instead of the briar, like, yuck, like, that's no good, right? Instead of that, it's the myrtle. The, Instead of the thorn, which is the symbol in the Old Testament of the curse, right? In, in Genesis 3, that the, the, the ground is cursed and our, and our work is like, we know that's not flourishing. That's not good for us. And yet it'll be replaced with the cypress. It's such a beautiful tree. And he, even look closely at the cypress. I mean, it's like the exact opposite of a thorn. They're so, the, like the needles are so feathery, right? They're so gentle and soft. Isaiah is saying, That like a tree, God's beauty and goodness, his love and his joy, it is essentially going to grow right up out of the earth and snuff out the darkness. And evil, heartache, pain, all that is broken and sinful around us and within us will not be able to grow under the canopy of his love and of his joy and of his provision. And we'll finally be home. I mean, towards the beginning of this series, I mentioned that we named our son David Isaiah just because we love, we love this book so much of Isaiah, the pictures that he gives. It's just so beautiful. Um, we named our daughter Eden Joy because this is our home. This is, we, and we want that constant reminder, like, it's what we were made for. It is where we are headed, a, a, a return to, to paradise, a, a return to the way things ought to be for us. C.S. Lewis once said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Okay, so what you're saying, Nathan, is that God wants me to be happy. We're invited into it. And he shows me his path. And all I have to do is wait until I'm dead. Great, right? Merry Christmas. No, no. Friends, the good news of Christmas is that you don't have to wait for it. I mean, yeah, of course you do. Of course you have to wait. Like the fulfillment of this this joy, the pinnacle of it, it will not happen until God finally returns and and makes makes us whole and makes his world whole. And we experience these pictures, these ideas that Isaiah is, is talking about here. And so yes, 
Yes, we have to wait for it. But you don't have to wait for it. Not entirely. God wants to give you joy today. Do you believe that? It's a little bit like watching It's a Wonderful Life. No groans. I love that movie. Um, I did a little poll. Like, who loves that movie and who hates it? Loves it? Okay. Hates it? Yeah. Okay. Actually, not too bad. All right. Okay. Either you just don't want to admit it, right? Um, Some of you are just completely ambivalent about the movie. Okay. But I I love this movie. And, you know, I've seen it so many times. And this was the first year we watched it with our kids. They're 9 and 11. We thought, well, we'll subject them to this um, and watch it together. And watching it, like, through their eyes for the very first time, like, I kind of, it made me realize how basically the first six hours, or however long this movie is, um, (laughs) the first 95% of it, it's super depressing. Like, everything goes wrong. And George, he's so nice, and it's all terrible, and there's disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. And, like, I'm watching it. I'm like, I'm like, kids, I promise. Like, keep watching. It's, it's good. And they're like, really, Dad? Okay. And, and like, it's terrible, right? Unless you know how it ends. Now, that doesn't, that doesn't make the pain any less along the way. I mean, I feel with George Bailey. Like, every regret, every moment, like, his life, even at the end, like, his life doesn't look the way he would have planned it, certainly. It's not the way that he designed it to be for him. I mean, it hurts, and I'm, I'm like, I want to punch Potter in the face, like, half the time. And so I'm, I'm like, sitting there, and I'm trying, I'm snuggling with my kids, and they're like, Dad, really, why? Why are we watching this, right? But with every disappointment, like, in every seen all of the, the heartache, my mind is already playing the ending. Like I can, I can see it with each disappointment. And I, I know, I know where, it's, where it's headed. And so I'm, I'm watching it with them, like they're snuggled in because it's just so terrible up to that point, right? Everything's falling apart around them. And I have this like crazy twinkle in my eye because I know that joy is coming. And when it comes, like, everything else doesn't, doesn't minimize it. And I love that about the movie. It doesn't minimize George's pain, right? And nowhere does, does God or the scriptures ever say, just get over it, right? It's not that big of a deal. Suck it up, right? Nowhere does God say that to us. Our heartache is never minimized. And yet when we know the end, it does give us some perspective, doesn't it? And I'm a sap, but like every, doesn't matter how many times I've seen it, every time I like tears of joy just like burst out of my face at the end of this movie. Just to think about the fact that this is what God sees for his people all the time. This is, this is why he can have, he can be the most joyful being and yet have tears streaming down his face. Yes, the path is hard and for some of us, it's really hard. And it might be hard for a really long time. But the end is so good. And he promises to be with us now. And as we learn to walk with him, there can be joy. And so I just want to ask one question as we end. Will you receive his gift? You've seen the invitation, right? It's there. It's pretty clear. Um, He's, he's talked about what the path looks like. It's, it's his way, not mine. As hard as that is for me, it's, it's pretty clear. And he promises that we can enter his joy today and forever. 
God wants to give you joy. He wants you to be happier. And Christmas is a clear statement that our God doesn't just scream these things from above down upon us as his people. That joy isn't just a nice sentiment, a desirable emotion, or even a theory. That joy is a person. That happiness was born with skin on to redeem us, to come and get us, to make a way through our sin and through our heartache and to make his home here with us. His name is Jesus. And this morning, we get to feast with him. And so we're gonna come around the communion table together, this, this table of his presence, of his love, of joy, of satisfaction. I mean, I, <laughs> I'm gonna eat a ton of food over the next couple of days. Anybody else? Probably. None so rich. None so embedded with satisfaction and a joy that lasts in this tiny little piece of bread dipped into a little bit of juice. This feast of our joy, of our redemption, of our hope. For Jesus took the bread, he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. And in the same way, he took the cup and poured it out and said, this is my my blood shed for you poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. And and we're instructed in the scriptures that we we do this in remembrance of him. We've been doing this for 2,000 years, proclaiming his death until he comes. Over and over again, this reminder of this feast. Well, this this table of joy, uh, it's open for all who find their joy in Jesus. You don't have to be a member here or anything like that. Um, If you embrace Christ, then then come be a part of this. If that doesn't describe you, we're really, really glad you're here. Uh, And we wouldn't ask you to do anything that you're not ready for or uncomfortable with. And so I'd encourage you, uh, if that describes you, just sit. It's okay. Uh, Nobody's going to notice. Reflect. Pray if you want to. Um, Maybe even respond to this invitation of joy. And then come to the feast with your new family. We've got stations in the front as well as in the back. Uh, And so uh, come when you're ready. We'll gather your groups at five or six because it's a family meal. It's something we celebrate uh, together. You'll take the bread, dip it in the cup, uh, and then eat together at the instruction of of our servers. Uh, Before we do that, let me just pray for us. Father, even as I speak these words, I hunger for them. God, I want this joy. And I don't think I'm alone. And so I pray that you would do exactly what your word promises to us, that your word, when it goes out, like the rains in a parched land, brings life and flourishing. Would you do that in my soul? Would you do that for each one here? that together we would celebrate your joy, your life, your hope in ways perhaps that we haven't ever before and that we would taste and see and know that you are good. We love you, Jesus. Amen.